Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anston. Radio has never better. We're starting a new series. It's called The Secret to a Life of Miracles. And uh, the first week, the sermon's entitled, What Does God Want from Christians? What does God want from Christians? And uh, obviously when you think about that question, people are going to have a lot of things to say. Maybe they're going to tell you about some Catholic monastery and they're going to, a guy walking through, you know, with incense or something like that. Or God, you know, God, God wants you to be boring. You know, people think of lots of ideas when they think about what is it that God wants from you. And there's only one thing that God wants from you, and that is a relationship that is so overwhelming that it over, overwhelms your life to such an extent that you discover the secret to a life of miracles. I want you to realize that life itself is a miracle. I don't know if you've ever sat down and thought about the miracle it takes for a child to be conceived. It is something that we cannot even begin to fathom. And... Um, Further than that, God doesn't want us to take that miracle of our own lives for granted. And He doesn't want us to take the miracle of us being able to have a relationship with Him for granted. He doesn't want us to take the miracle of the cross for granted. He wants us to live in it. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to know His love. He wants us to experience His glory. But in order to experience the glory of God, it takes repentance. It takes repentance from this world and this world's way of thinking. It takes repenting from the belief systems that the world has. And the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind every single day. Now what does transformed mean? Well, I don't know how many of you watched the movie series, The Transformers. And you see a Porsche, or you see a Lamborghini, a nice yellow one. And the next thing, and it's this big guy with machine guns. And it used to be a Porsche or whatever, or a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. And now it's this like big monster thing with guns and all of this kind of stuff. I'm Optimus Prime. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's a transformer. That, that, so when the Bible says, be transformed, it, it means you were a, a Lamborghini and now you're the supersonic robot guy that's going to save the universe without oil. They never seem to need oil, those guys. That's transform. You think about a caterpillar and the, the caterpillar makes this cocoon and the next thing, out comes a butterfly. When the Bible says be transformed, it means, okay, if, the, if, if thinking like the world is the caterpillar, this big fat worm thing, being transformed is the butterfly with his wings and, and his beauty and his colors and, and, you, and, and, and this, the one thing has to crawl. The other one flies. That's what it means to be transformed. I remember a song many years ago. Talking about, uh, you know, I wish I could fly. I wish I could touch the sky. 
That's transformed. If you could fly and you could touch the sky, that's transformed. Although I'm not sure if you realize you do touch the sky. I mean, if you put your hand in the air and you do, you're touching the sky, because that's what the sky is. But anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. Let's get a bit of science in you. To be transformed requires a renewed mind. And I believe that the renewed mind is the best way to demonstrate the will of God in the world today. There is no better way of demonstrating God's will for the, for, 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 for everything than the renewed mind. The renewed mind does not operate without God. The renewed mind has a revelation of the power of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The renewed mind understands in its core, in its being, understands at the level of its very DNA that the cross is the most powerful thing there is in the universe. The renewed mind understands the will of God and it understands the will of God from the Lord's Prayer which Jesus himself taught us. And what did Jesus teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, pray and say this, say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is the will of God? The will of God is that his will will be seen on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. So the things that are on earth that are not in heaven, God doesn't want you. What's the biggest, worst thing on earth that God doesn't want? It's death. So when we're praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're praying that there be no death. Think about the battles we fight. Think about the wars we fight. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 5, coming from the NLT says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Is that true for us? We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So we are human. But when we're believers in Jesus and we're living a life of faith, we do not wage war as humans wage war. You see, if you're going to wage war as humans wage war, you can be hurt. If you're sitting here this morning hurt by something, it means you're waging war the wrong way. Because if you start waging war the way the Apostle Paul speaks, they can put you on death row. And you will say, I have finished the prize. I mean, I have finished the call. And I'm now waiting for my prize from Jesus. You will understand what Paul said when he meant when he said, Forgetting what is behind, there's this one thing that I do, this one thing. I press on towards the goal that Christ has set for me. Listen, when you get saved, you're supposed to be existing right now in eternity. Your war is not a war of this world. Your war is an eternal one. Now, these strongholds, 
We, we fight with the weapons of God to knock down these strongholds of human reasoning. You know, when we sit there and we say, I was just thinking. Why do you look depressed? No, I'm not depressed, I'm just thinking. There's human reasoning going on in there. And whenever there's human reasoning going on there, understand this, you're in trouble. And we knock down these strongholds of human reasoning to destroy false arguments. In other words, we've based our lives on false arguments. There's things we believe that are not true. And now we make decisions based on things that are not true. How do we fight this battle? It's an inward one. It takes place in our mind. It takes place here. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. What proud obstacles keep people from knowing God? I'll tell you in a moment. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what are these proud arguments that keep people from knowing God? In order to understand what those proud arguments are, you've got to understand what a stronghold is. And I believe with all my heart that a stronghold is anything that we trust other than God. We can be trusting alcohol. We can be trusting our gifts and our talents. We can, we can trust drugs. We can trust a love partner. We can trust the government system that we believe in. We can trust money. We can trust power. We can trust our ability to be good apart from God. We can trust anything, but anything, whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. Anything that we trust other than God is a stronghold. We can trust our families. If we want to live a life where we see God doing miracles, where we see God coming through, where, where, where we see supernatural things taking place, where we see the miracle of a person being born again. Then at the end of the day, all of that only happens when you trust God. You know, when you're burying a loved one, someone that you love deeply, the, the only way that you can overcome that is if you really trust God. And God has two aims for people. Two and only two. And the first one is that we be saved and come to, into a relationship with Him. That's His first aim. That every single human being on the face of the planet comes in a, into a relationship with Him because the Scriptures over and over say it's not God's wish for anyone to end up in hell. In fact, in, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus actually said that hell was not built for people but for Satan and his demons. So people aren't supposed to go there. God wants them saved. Number two... Once we're saved, God's only aim for every single one of us is that we become just like Jesus. So what does it mean to become like Jesus? What do most people think? Well, most people think that when you become like Jesus, you become a goody two-shoes. You know, where you think you're all that, where you're better than everyone else, and you're giving everyone a lecture and you criticize them. That's what most people think. Or maybe some people think about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, you know, all of those sorts of things. Or this is the overwhelming view in the world today, I believe. In order to, to be like Jesus, I have to give up my life for a boring life. I've got to be like those monks that are in those monasteries. And that's it. Every day I go, oh, no, 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 no. 
I live in these old cold buildings up in a mountain somewhere. That's what most people think it is to be like Jesus, except I never read where Jesus was in one of those monasteries. I never ever read Jesus being in a monastery. What does it mean to be like Jesus according to Jesus? It means that his character is formed into your character. If you're going to be like Jesus according to Jesus, it means that you know the Father. You know him. You know, the same as you know the people in your life. You know the Father. You know the Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know him. Listen to what I'm saying. Not about him. You know him. It means that you totally and completely trust God because that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was walking the earth, he totally and completely trusted the Father. There wasn't this much doubt that he had in the Father. And so if you want to know more about what Jesus says, that uh, you know, uh, about how Jesus describes we should be if we're going to be like him, we read about this in John 14, verse 8 to 14. And it starts off with Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Lord, you know, Jesus, you're raising the dead, you're healing people, you're calming the storm, you're turning water into wine, you know, everything that you can do, you do. And, and there's nothing you can't do. So now, if you just show us the Father, we'll be satisfied. Imagine being with Jesus and saying, you know, you must give us something extra to be satisfied. And isn't that often how we are? You see, often we're like that because we want something extra. There's always something we don't have. So we have to chase after it. And yeah, Philip's with Jesus. I mean, imagine. imagine I, I think of Philip. Are you, are you, like, are you mad? Like, you, you know what I would have given to be there? Your mother-in-law gets sick like Peter's. You just bring, you bring your Sally to home and, and he just heals her. And the next thing she's making everyone supper. Your cell leader, you're walking with your cell leader one day. And the next thing you come across the funeral, they, they, they want to stop you at the robot. You, you come out, you stop the funeral. You go, you tell the hearse to open the back. You say, open the coffin. Boy, come. Okay, there's the mother. Yeah, come. Listen, he's hungry. He hasn't eaten for a while. He's been dead a few days. So give him some food. That's your cell leader. And now you say, can you give us something more? So Jesus replies, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Dude, like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then he goes on and he says this, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? Say, so, listen, I came here to reveal the Father to you because, like, I am sort of the Father. And then it goes on and says, The words I speak to are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does His work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In other words, believe who I am. Or at least believe because of the work that you have seen me do. Okay, so, so you don't accept my words. You, you don't listen to what I'm saying. But you, you saw me mess up that funeral. You saw me tell the, 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 the lame man to get up and walk. You saw me tell people your sins are forgiven and the religious leaders all freaked out. Like who are you to tell them to, that their sins are forgiven? Because only God can forgive sins. Like, dude, who do you think I am? 
And then it goes on and says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name. Listen to that. Oh, those, those words, they, they're like music to my ears. You, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And here is where Jesus describes what we should look like. We are the people that God wants to move. He wants to move us from one place to another. He wants to move us to, a, to our destiny. He wants us to change. From the place that we were born in, we were born in slavery, to a place where we become people of destiny. So what does Jesus want us to be? He wants us he, he wants to see that we are the people that know the Father because we know Jesus. Think about those words again. Philip spoke up. And this is from the Passion Translation. Lord, show us the Father and that will be all we need. Jesus replied, Philip, have I been with you all this time and still you don't know who I am? How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and I'm living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for He lives in me, and He performs His miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. Philip was right about one thing. Knowing the Father is all we need. I want to tell you as you listening to this, there's nothing you need other than to know the Father. And then you say, but how can we know the Father? And I remember a guy named Johnny Clegg. He was a big musician when I was growing up. And he sang this song which became like this African song. You understand what I'm saying? And in that song he says, I'm searching for the spirit of the great heart to hold and keep me by. I'm searching for the spirit of the great heart under African sky. Sometimes I feel that you really know me. Sometimes there's just so much you can show me. Johnny Clegg was searching. And many people like Johnny Clegg are searching. The disciple Philip was searching. And Jesus said, one encounter with me and you've seen the Father. I want to say that again. Jesus says to him, listen Philip, one encounter with me and you have seen the Father. You know, Jesus is saying to us sometimes, He's saying, you've been in church for so long and yet you don't know the Father. Believe the miracles of Jesus. Don't cast them away. You know, I remember the one time I was called and it was on a Saturday night, I was out with my family. There was a family, they were at a hospital and the doctors had told them that a family member was going to die. So the whole family was there. The hospital was way on the other side of town. So I had to leave my family from the dinner and everything. I, I don't even remember if I'd eaten supper. And I probably went with a bad attitude all the way to the other side of town. And I went to this hospital. 
And I went into the, the room and I had to push my way in because that room was packed. Everyone was there because the doctors had said, this is the last night. And so I prayed. I prayed for this lady. There were pipes and machines and everything. The doctors had said she was going to die that night. And anyway, I prayed. And then I went back to the family. And um, the next morning, there were a whole lot of extra people at church. Because she'd made a miraculous recovery and had had breakfast that morning. Now, what I want you to realize is that we, 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 when Jesus wants us to change, he wants us to change so that we are the people that do even bigger miracles than Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about what verse 12 of John 14 means. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with the Father. You know, Jesus wants you to live a supernatural life. Supernatural. It means you don't have to go and watch a movie and see a glass move when someone like looks at it, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to have to go watch it on TV. He doesn't want you to have to go to a place where the man of God is or the woman of God is. He wants you to live a supernatural life. Jesus wants to do things through you that you cannot do by yourself. And Jesus called this a timeless truth. Timeless means it counts as much today as when he said it to the disciples as recorded in John chapter 14. What is the condition? The condition for living the supernatural life is that we follow Jesus in faith, that we believe in Jesus. What is the fruit of it? That we will do the same mighty miracles he did and even greater ones because he's with the Father. I believe God wants every single one of us to yearn for this. We live in a time which in many ways is an absolute disaster and I've never seen so many people so deceived. We live in a time where so many people's worlds are just crashing all around them. We, we see a time where <laughs> last week Saturday in the UK, people were just so happy because there was a crowd at the FA Cup final. Jesus wants us to step out in faith and pray for the sick. Not because we believe we're good enough, we're not good enough. But we believe he wants to do it through us. We believe his promises. Jesus wants us to step out in faith and bring healing where COVID brings de devastation. Jesus wants us to be assured that we're going to live with him forever. This is an act of faith. Now, when you have an active faith, it offends people with a passive faith. Faith for today will offend people who have faith that it will happen someday. What kind of people does Jesus want us to be? He wants us to be people that will offend others because of our faith. Not because we're rude or something we've done. Because of our faith. Because, of, because we believe God. And, and what kind of people does Jesus want us to be? He, he wants the world to see that we are the people that see God do what we ask Him to do in prayer. You know, a number of years ago, there was a book came out 
called The Secret, and I'd speak to people, and they'd be so excited about this book. And, and, and I just looked it up. What is this book? It's a self-help book by someone named Rhonda uh, Byrne that spoke about the law of attraction, which states that positive energy attracts positive things into your life, governs your thinkings and your actions, and that you can use the power of positive thinking to achieve anything you can imagine. Uh, the thesis is this. The universe gives you what you expect from it. You can go to the universe all you want. You can be as positive as the North Pole of a magnet is to the South Pole. You can stick to that thing like glue. But if you go to the universe for anything, it ain't going to happen. In John 14, 13 and 14, Jesus said, For I will do whatever you ask when you ask it in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. What's the problem if, you, if your faith is in yourself and the universe? Your problem is you'll never see God do anything for you because you'll never ask Him in prayer. Why would you ask God in prayer if you're going to the universe? Jesus wants a church that asks for anything in His name and He does it. And who does he do it for? He does it for you. I want you to notice he says that he does it for you. And I want you to think about this. Have you thought about the implication of that? Have you, uh, just think about this for a second. Have you thought about the implications of that? Jesus will do miracles for you. Have you thought about the implication of that? If that's not blowing your mind, you're not listening. Jesus will do miracles for you. And therefore, if He's your King, you're totally obedient to Him. And to you, the Bible is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And every part of it is true. And the Word, the, the, the truth of the Word, will have cancelled the enemy's lies in your mind. That goes back to our verse from earlier about casting down, you know, strongholds and, 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 and false ideas and that. The word will cancel the enemy's lies. It will cancel. It will destroy them. The blood of Jesus will de defeat everything the enemy brings against you. Every single thing. And everything it does revolves around you and your prayers. Why don't you just... Get to Jesus, make Him the Lord of your life, and get to the place where everything revolves around you because that's what you wanted in the first place anyway. I want you to think about that. But you have to ask about it in the name of Jesus. When your world revolves around Him, His actions revolve around you. That's what He's saying. In Matthew 6.33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need how do you live righteously by believing his promises being righteous God credits it to you as righteousness when you believe the promises of God and so if you seek the kingdom of God above everything else then you'll see what will happen I want us just to see an, another song I've asked him to come and sing and, and, and I want you to 
to sing this song now, but I want you to think about what Jesus has said, and I want you to, 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 to sing this song thinking about the implications of what Jesus said. If we're serious with Jesus, think about the implications of what he said. <laughs> Anything you ask, I will do it for you. Anything. Anything. I'll say it again, anything.
Romans 10 verse 8 and 9 says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. The altar sacrifices everything. Every sacrifice that needed to be made was made at the cross by Jesus. And the blood of Jesus has the power to wash you clean. The the blood of Jesus has the power to transform you. You cannot have a renewed mind without the blood of Jesus. Your sin has to be sorted out first. And and when you're responding to God, if you respond to Him right now in the service, what you're saying is, Lord, this is the time. Lord, right now, I want to commit to You. I want to submit my life to You completely right now. I can't wait until later. If I'm not home, I can't wait until I get home. Lord, I want to commit to you right now because if I don't commit to you now, I don't know if I'll make it. So I want to commit to you so that I can live with you close beside me from this day on. I never want to live far from you again because I want to live close to you so that when, when my death, when the day of my death comes knocking, it won't affect me. It won't affect me because I'll know that I'll be with you for eternity. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about that. The Lord wants to live with you for eternity. That is by far the greatest miracle of all. He wants to live with you for eternity. And so if you're needing 
right now to give your life to Jesus either for the first time or recommit your life to Him. If you're here or at one of the sites, I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand and raise it up high so that we can see who you are. If you're listening and you're watching by yourself, so some hands have already gone up. If you're watching by yourself, please send us an email to info at theactivechurch.org. That's info at theactivechurch.org. If you're listening via the audio, info at theactivechurch.org. And so now if you want to give your life to Jesus wherever you are, or maybe you're needing to recommit, maybe you've lost touch, maybe once upon a time, the Lord was strong on your life. But you've separated and you want to come back. Then you can recommit your life to Him right now. And so if either of those two scenarios describes you right now, I'm going to ask you very hard, just raise your hand so that we can see who you are. I see the hands that have gone up. If you're at a site, please raise your hand. I just want to say it once more. Maybe you're here and you feel like your life has no purpose. You feel like everything's just a waste. Maybe you feel numb or dead to the world. If, if that's how you feel, then the Lord is calling you to Him right now. He wants to touch you right now. Just raise your hand if there's anyone like it. Some more hands have gone up. If you, if you believe that your sin is too great for God, that the stuff that you've done is, is just too big for Him. Jesus is telling you, the sacrifice I made for you is way bigger than your sin. The sacrifice I made for you makes your sin look like a joke. If you will give your life to me, I will wash that sin away. And my Father in heaven will justify you, which means He'll make it as if you've never sinned. If you have felt that your sin is too big for the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, and God has just spoken to you saying it's not, then just raise your hands as well. Just raise your hands as well. Some more hands have gone up. Alright, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask everyone to place your right hand on your heart. Those of you that, um, that have raised your hands, if you're here at one of the sites, a slip of paper will have been given to you. Please make sure you give it to them right now. Right now. All right, well, not right now, sorry, straight off the service. Again, if you're watching online or, you, you know, or you're listening, please just send us an email to info at activechurch.org with your contact details. We'll be in touch. We're going to pray together now. And as your right hands on your heart, I want you to visualize Jesus because that's your faith in. I want you to see him on the cross. I want you to see your old nature being crucified with him. You're surrendering your life to Him. <clears throat> and by the power of the blood that He shed, that pure blood, that takes away the sin of the world, you are being washed clean. And I want you to see yourself coming off that cross. It's no longer you that lives. It's Jesus that lives in you. The same Jesus who died for you over 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary, did a work that stands once and for all. It is done. It is finished. He's done the work for you. The blood that was shed is the price that he paid. And it's the blood that washes all of our sins away. 
So we're going to pray now. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. But those of you that have indicated you're making the commitment, really mean this prayer. And I know God will be as serious with you as he's been with me. And I have no doubt about it. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice, knowing that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And today, Lord, I ask that the blood of your wounded body wash me of all my rebellion and all my sin. I ask you to set me free from any sickness, from any pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid right now. That there's no longer any outstanding balance with you. You paid everything for me on the cross of Calvary. With your life and your blood. And I accept that by your blood I'm justified. And you see me as I've never sinned. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. And you've chosen me to serve you. And Lord, I really want to serve you. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. Into eternity. Forever and ever. Today, Lord, I open the door of my heart. And I invite you to come in. As my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. And for giving me eternal life. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.